0: All right, well now for your second round of announcements. I I have to, the biggest job for me is when I'm in these situations, I always want to come up here and and do announcements because I've been doing it for a while, and I I was just, when Zach was up here, I was just remembering a time when I was teaching in Savannah, I actually did do that. I jumped up on stage before uh, their announcement person came up and did the announcement, so. um, And it's all right, Zach, if your jokes don't hit, there's always opportunity for us to laugh at you instead of with you, so. (laughs) Um, I I always say laugh with me or at me as long as somebody's laughing. It's all good. Um, On the the, uh, announcements uh, uh, conversation, I I, I remember back eight, nine years ago when the church was starting up and Mike hit me. I was, hey, you want to start doing announcements? And and I was in a season of my life where I was just, I didn't know what I wanted to do, I was still active duty, and I was just, whatever the Lord needs, I was just writing the Lord a blank check, I set up chairs, sit in the closet with a couple little toddlers, it was things, Callie and Mariah were little babies, and we we're in the broom closet back there, I was, that was the children's ministry at the time, um, whatever the Lord had for me, and Mike says, hey Reg, you want to do with new announcements, and we start doing announcements, like sure, um, but my wife knows when I say sure, that's that's my answer, even though I hadn't really thought about it much, but sure, I'll, I'll do that, and I didn't know what that entailed or whatever, But and I had no inclination of um, teaching in high school or teaching the Word, but um, this is where the Lord has led me, and I, I didn't know at that time, after I did it three or four times, I did the announcements Mike mentioned to me, he's like, I just, hey, I just want everybody to get used to seeing you up there. I had no idea what his intentions were for me, but you know the Lord knew, and so that, we're going to talk a little bit today about what the Lord's will is, and and how we need to be paying attention to that, and how we can seek that out. Um, so before we get into that, let's have a say, uh, uh, go before the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get into Scripture. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we, we do seek out your will, Lord. Uh, every person within this congregation, every brother and sister in Christ, we desire your will, Lord. We desire to operate within your will, Lord. And as uh, each and every day when we lift up our pastor to you, Lord, Pastor Mike, we pray that he is within your will, Lord. Because that, that is our goal here is to be within your will, to be in your word, and is doing your bidding, Lord. Uh, so we thank you for this. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to be in Acts 21. And as you turn there, I'm going to read from Romans twelve two. Um, This is something I, I, from my last time I was up here, I had an opportunity to teach, um, that kind of led me down this path of you know, uh, a message about the, the will of God. And Romans twelve two reads, And do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And in Romans Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. In Acts 21, we're going, to just, we're going to be talking about Paul. And what better example than Paul, who, someone who has a laser focus on what the will of God is? God calls him to do something, and he, he's focused on it. Regardless of what, what um, trials or tribulations he faces, he is focused on that. And so that's what we're going to be, be reading about here. And in Acts 21, Paul has just wrapped up his third missionary journey, and he's now making his way back to Jerusalem as his ship stops at various ports from its place of origin in Asia Minor. And let's go and read um, Acts 21, 1 through 6. Now it came to pass that when we had departed from them and set sail, running a straight course, we came to Kos, the following day to Rhodes, and from there, Petara. And finding a ship sailing over to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we had sighted Cyprus, We passed it on the left, sailed to Syria, and landed at Tyre. And for there the ship was to unload her cargo, and finding disciples, we stayed there seven days. They told Paul through the Spirit not to go up to Jerusalem. When we had come to the end of those days, we departed and went on our way. They all accompanied us with wives and children until we were out of the city, and we knelt down on the shore and prayed. When we had taken our leave to, of one another, we boarded the ship, and they returned home. <coughs> these aren't the apostles. These aren't the twelve apostles. We're talking about the uh, um, when it's talking about the uh, disciples. These aren't the, the, the apostles. You know, as they were as Paul was making his journey south, every time he stopped into a town, he was meeting with disciples, fellow believers, um, folks that he maybe he introduced. To Christ or, or, or new believers that were from some other teacher, but he was always making his making a point to meet with other believers. And I think about this and in, in how we've you know got our own network. You know, uh, many of us here are um, transplants from other parts of the country, and here here we are. When some of us maybe weren't part of the Calvary Chapel Fellowship before, but you know here we are. And Pastor Mike's over in Calvary Chapel Lompoc right now in, the, in California, and we go to uh, Lexington, and we go over to you know we have folks over in Georgia whether it be in Savannah or Stone Mountain. But there's always disciples, fellow disciples that share um, in the faith and support one another. And that's what, basically what Paul's been doing uh, throughout his trip. Um, but like I said, these, these disciples weren't the apostles, except for Luke. Luke is the one that's writing here. Anyways, they, they told Paul through the Spirit not to go to Jerusalem, and that was in 4. And we'll read that again. In, in, in verse four, and finding disciples, we stayed there seven days, and they told Paul through the Spirit not to go up to Jerusalem. Was Paul disobeying the Holy Spirit, or they simply prophesying about what he would face when he got there? Have you ever had someone tell you not to do something, a brother and sister in Christ, the Lord leading you one way, and simply is not popular, or others just don't have the same view as you? It can be difficult. You see, though Paul was not confused by this, he was already aware of the, the dangers that awaited him. If we flip back into Acts 20, 22, or 22 through 24, just one page back, it reads And see now, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear. To myself, so that I may finish my race with joy, and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. These things did not move me; meaning, he was not scared. He had his goal. He had his mission that he was supposed to, that he was set upon. In verse five, when we had to come to an end. Of those days, we departed and went on our way, and they all accompanied us with, the, with wives and children till we were out of the city, and we knelt down on the shore and prayed. Oftentimes, when I prepare a message, um, I have an idea, a theme, or you know, a message that I think the Lord's put on my heart to, to share with you all. And oftentimes, there's a, there's a verse that jumps out at me that has nothing to do with it. It just speaks to something completely different, but it, it hits you. It hits you right in the feelings that, that Mike denies to having. But it hits you in the feelings. And this is the one for me. I'm going to read that again, that, that last part. And they all accompanied us with wives and children to where, to where out of the city until we were out of the city, and we knelt down on the shore and prayed. That one hit me. My heart's desire is for that every missionary, anybody that's sent out to do God's work is sent out like this. A, a worker going out into the world to share the gospel, accompanied by fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, husbands, wives, children, all kneeling in the sand, praying, praying for God's will to be done. Peter, or excuse me, Paul, kneeling in the sand, praying for, for the Lord's will in his life, praying for the brothers that are, uh, decide to join him, praying and giving thanks to the folks that supported him in the, throughout this. This is no small task. You know, you think about when you go on a journey or a trip, all the things, the provisions you think you need, we need water, we need food, we need tents, we need transportation. This is the thing that I I would think would sustain me the most. Different trials and tribulations that you face, yeah, we need water, we need food, but the thing that's going to keep your spirit filled is this prayer. Folks, fellow believers praying for you. I also think about you know we, we talk about folks going out and serving the world, I uh, think about Calvary Chapel, uh, the, the the Bible Institute down in Trujillo, um, Peru. Uh, there was a young man down there by Andrew named by Andrew Weakland, and um, Zach forwarded his information to me, and at, the young man was asking for prayer. All right. My prayer is that he gets sent, a sent off like that when he, he, once he graduated from the Calvary Bible Institute and he, he makes that choice for Christ, that he's sent off like that. And that's my prayer for each and every person that goes out into the world sharing the gospel. And Paul never passes it on, on an opportunity to pray. And this is important, especially in the context of seeking the will of the Lord. Without prayer, there are no answers. Without prayer, there is no godly direction. Paul was in constant prayer. If you're not praying and things aren't going your way, and you, you, I don't understand how you, can, how you can possibly be in the will of the Lord because you're not communicating with Him. You're not seeking out His guidance. Let's read 7 through 11. And when we had finished our voyage from Tyre, we came to Pet- Ptolemais, greeted the brethren, and stayed with them one day. And on the next day, We who were Paul's companions, this being Luke, departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And when he came to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. I'm so glad when I'm getting ready to share a message that I have brothers and sisters that will come beside me, whether it be in Pastor Mike's office or in the back room or outside, whatever, and just pray with me, whether it be calm my nerves or whatever, and not say, this is what's going to happen to you if you dork this up, Reggie. You know, I mean, that's... but, but the, I think this is from love, though. I think this is really from love. All these people are really concerned about Paul's um, welfare. But the whole trip, Paul was constantly being warned about going to Jerusalem. And now we have Agabus communicating via visual performance, bound with Paul's belt, saying, this is what the Jews of Jerusalem are going to do to you. Notice he doesn't say not to go to Jerusalem. This is what's going to happen to you. Paul, you're going to be imprisoned by the Jews. We don't want you to go to Jerusalem. Paul's response, I have to go to Jerusalem. When the word of God has set you on a mission, when sharing the message of Christ burns in you, and you know what you have to do, you really don't care what people say, what's going to happen to you. As far as men are concerned, there's no better example than Paul here. He knows what he's up against. He's knows what he's about to face. There's no shortage of warnings for him. In verse 12 and 13, Now when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. You can sense he's getting a little upset, getting, getting a little frustrated. Maybe he might even be wavering a little bit. But there was a mutual love here. I mean, these are like, this is like, uh, imagine the situation with, you know, you got these young men and women going to, to, on these mission trips. And, you know, this young, young man I just mentioned to you, Andrew, I think he's in his latter 20s. And you, you, you read his bio, he flew home to Colorado, visited his friends and families. So imagine the conversations going on there. Son, do you, really need to go, do you really need to go in the deep woods? There's other ways you can serve the Lord. No, this is what the Lord called me to do. This is what the Lord called me to do. And meanwhile, this, you know, I can only imagine this young man Andrews is trying to get, you know, s- some last precious moments with his family before he spends three years in the jungle. You know, but they're all probably, you know, could be harassing him. And, he, and this has happened, you know, and many times in the past. You know, you think about communist China and the dangers of uh, uh, missionaries going into there and the dangers that they're, they're looking to face. John Corson said this, Paul was not only looking forward to going to Jerusalem, but through Jerusalem. Jerusalem, in Paul's mind, wasn't the destination. The destination was, yes, he would go to Jerusalem. Yes, he'll probably be captured. He'll probably be killed. But where is he going? He's going through Jerusalem. He's going to heaven to be with the Lord. That's what Paul is thinking. He wasn't just going to Jerusalem. He's going through Jerusalem. And when I think, in, the, in terms of those, you know, doing the Lord's work in Bluffton, Ridgeland, South Carolina, is not that hard and the worst that comes to me is death, and I get to go be with the Lord. I'm just going through Richland. I'm going through often, right? But what an example Paul is. And then 14, so when, we would, so when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, the will of the Lord be done. Does anything else need to be said? The Lord of the will be done. I think the Lord withholds the future from us because we probably wouldn't choose to go through some of the trials that we need to happen. Paul is a much better than I in this regard. He knew all along what would happen to him when he got to Jerusalem. Yes, he is arrested and he gets imprisoned. Well, what's the fruit of being in prison? Well, Paul goes on to write the prison epistles. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. Do these not get written if he chooses not to go to Jerusalem and avoid his prospective captors? Right? There's fruit in that. But more importantly, Paul trusted the Lord. How many times has the Lord used our mistakes for a greater good? I'm, I'm glad He does the Lord doesn't show me my future because I... I probably wouldn't have chosen some of the things that the Lord has got me in the situations. I'm prepared now, and I'm comfortable doing some of the things I'm doing now, but I, 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't place myself in some of the situations I'm in. But thankfully for the trials the Lord has put me through, He's prepared me for some of these things. In Philippians 1.12, Paul writes, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. For the furtherance of the gospel. Everything we should be doing should be for that line right there, for the furtherance of the gospel. This should be the goal of every believer: submission to the will of God for the furtherance of gospel. Psalms thirty-two eight: I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go, and I will counsel you and watch over you. How do we apply this in our lives? And I, I just wanted, and I wanted to share that that scripture about Paul with uh, in Acts. 21 1 through 14 just to give you show you that example but how do we apply that to our lives well here's some here's some just some notes i've written down about some of the things that we need to be considering when we're talking about god's will and we, we pray about it a lot here and we we oftentimes before we make a decision in the church we're, we really are praying and seeking after the lord's will and these are just some of the things i i, I came up with first commit your decision to god make it a matter of regular prayer asking God to guide you and make his will known to you. His will is for your his will for you is good, acceptable and perfect. And that's from Romans 12. Paul had long since done that. So he could say now because so he can now say I am ready not only to be bound but even die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. He did not consider his own life of any account as dear to himself in order that he might finish his course and the ministry which he had received from the Lord Jesus, to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Signing your life over to God may strike you as a bit scary. What if he sends you to Peru? What if he sends you to jungle? I don't like camping anymore. I used to love it, but 20 years in the Marines beat that out of me. But what if he sends me to the Peru? Maybe he's going to send Zach to Peru. I don't know. Again. All right. What if he, what, I don't like the cold. What if he sends me to Alaska? that's the lord's will the lord's going to prepare us we need to remember he is your loving father and he is all-knowing and all-wise his purpose is to be glorified through your through you blessing your life so you've got to begin by trusting him and next does the bible give any direct guidance and decision you are facing does any principle in the bible apply to your situation do did anyone in the Bible face ever face a similar decision? And if so, how did they deal with it? Paul had known the Lord and walked closely with Him for years at this point. This fact, along with the fact that there is no hint that in the text that Paul was being disobedient, he might not be able to see some of the things that are obvious to us from our vantage point, being that we have the, the Bible in its entirety. But Paul's aim for many years now had been to know Christ. He knew God's Word well. And walked by the Spirit, not by flesh. I think that as best as he knew, how Paul was seeking to obey the Lord by going to Jerusalem. We need to know the Lord. A great place to start is by reading and studying the Word. Reading and studying the Word. A lot of the answers we already have are in the book. I mean, I've been married to my wife for 25. Come on, 25 years in September. Make sure I did the math before I did the sermons so that way I don't get in trouble. But you know, if, if you were to ask her, if you were to ask a question of me to ask her, I could probably t- answer the question for you and, and, and have a, probably about a 90% success rate of getting it right, right? Because I've 25 years I spent with her, getting to know her, been through many tries with her, seen many victories, and 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 been all over the United States and just been through a lot. You know, shared our deepest thoughts and worries and concerns, our hopes and dreams and all those things. And I did a lot of studying of her when we were dating, right? She has chocolates a thing. She likes that. Flowers, yes. Allergic to cilantro, Unless it's on a street taco, she'll take that, right? <laughs> but I studied her, right? We need to have the same, you know, the same you know, laser view drive with the Lord. We need to get to know the Lord. And the only way to do that is through prayer and reading His Word. To discern the will of God, you must act on biblical principles and not human wisdom. And this is kind of expanding on the previous point in order to say that at times God's wisdom and his ways are opposed to man's wisdom in ways. Not usually, but occasionally God wants us to do something that defies human logic. For example, using the text, human wisdom and logic would say that we sh- would, should avoid a course of action that will lead us to, into an obvious trial. But sometimes God's will is to be glorified through his servants as they endure various trials or even through their martyrdom that's not to say we're calling each and every one of you to be martyrs but you are going to be made uncomfortable right you are going to be made at times men to do some public speaking being uncomfortable share it challenge yourself lead a bible study go outside your comfort zone ask a neighbor if they've ever been to church they know jesus christ make yourself uncomfortable um in my life one of the things when i, when I came to christ one of the things i kind of ready myself for is time I feel, and it's within the Lord's will, that I'm uncomfortable and the Lord has me to do something and I feel uncomfortable, then I definitely need to do it because I just, I don't want my flesh getting in the way of the Lord's will. Driving Paul was his harsh desire for the salvation of the Jews. This was such a compelling force that Paul says that he would be willing to cut off be cut off from Christ for eternity if it meant the salvation of Jews. Because of this compelling desire to see the Jews saved, Paul was willing to sacrifice his life if need be. Think about the love of that, of Paul. He was willing to be cut off from Christ if it meant all of his brothers and sisters, all of the Jews were, willing, were going to be brought to Christ. That was his heart. And referring back to like the, the missionaries' examples that we had, that we, I was mentioning before, and, and the tough conversations happening with them and their families, those young people, and you know, older people, people of middle just it's not one age group, but those folks that are choosing to do that, they're following biblical principles. They're seeking out to serve the Great Commission. Even though in our flesh we want to keep these folks safe, they must be allowed to follow after the Lord. And the next point, to discern the will of God, analyze your gifts, motives, and desires in the light of God's sovereign purpose of being glorified among the nations. It is possible to, to be committed to doing the Lord's will, but to be in the wrong place or position. For example, perhaps Paul could have sent delegates to share the gospel, but stayed away himself, still have accomplished his desire in unifying the church. A key question, though, is which is, is not always the easy answer where can I be the most effective in furthering God's kingdom in the light of my gifts? In addition to our gifts, how In addition to our gifts, how we can be best used? We need to examine our motives and desires. Am I truly seeking God's glory and not my own? Is my heart open before him with no secret sins? If I can honestly answer yes, then I should ask what are my desires? Why or what do I enjoy doing? If I'm delighting in the Lord, then I can trust Him to give me my desires of my heart, either by fulfilling my current desires or by changing those desires into the line up with His purpose. He is a loving Father who delights in blessing His children by granting their holy desires. So if I'm delighting in God, it is legitimate to, in seeking His will to ask, What do I enjoy doing? That may be where I should serve and last and that's not not the last but the next point the Holy Spirit's guidance when we honestly seek his will God often gives us an inner conviction or prompting to confirm which way he wants us to go the Bible says whether you turn to the right or to the left your ears will hear the voice behind you saying this is the way walk in it Isaiah thirty twenty one. how can we best seek the Holy Spirit's direction prayer seeking to seek the Holy Spirit's direction we have to be in prayer ultimately each person must determine God's will for him or herself you can't blame others for the decisions you make in a marriage the husband is accountable to the God for his family decisions but any wise husband will only go against a godly wife's counsel after much deliberation and prayer if Paul was right here and his friends were wrong It illustrates the point that sometimes bad counsel stems from loving motives. It was because these people loved Paul that they pled with him not to go, but he had to go against the wishes of his friends to do what he thought God wanted him to do. Sometimes parents may counsel young people not to go to mission field because they're generally concerned for their safety. That counsel could be from the Lord, but it might not be from the Lord. The will of God is not necessarily the most trouble-free route. You must work through the process, in dependence on the Lord, and then lovingly tell your family and friends, "I'm doing what I believe God wants me to do. Please pray for me." You know, a you, brother and sister in Christ or, or a family member—they can disagree, but where you can come back and be one is praying for one another, praying for wisdom. We disagree on this, but we can certainly pray for one another. And pray if the other one comes in line with us. Pray that we both come in line with Christ with the Lord's will that's the most important thing sometimes we get caught in our flesh and being right you know I'm right she's right he's right whatever but we need to be more concerned about the will of the Lord finally trust God for the outcome once God leads you to make a decision don't draw back instead trust his leading believe he goes before you for he does the Bible says trust the Lord with all your heart Lean not on your own understanding, all your ways, acknowledge Him and he will make your path straight. God loves you and he wants to know and He wants you to know His will. seek it, discover it, and then do it. He's always, his way is always the best. But what if we make a mistake? What if we make a mistake? And' we've, a lot of us made plenty of mistakes. What if we make a mistake discerning the, Lord, the will of God? is a learning opportunity? I think so, it's oftentimes what it is. I I, I share with my my students, you know, there's three types of people in the world. The the, the, the smartest ones learn from everybody else's mistakes, the average person learns from their own mistakes, and the not-so-bright ones don't learn from anybody's mistakes, right, and they just keep doing the same thing over and over again. You know, we're gonna, we're sinners, we're gonna make mistakes. If you come to realize that your mistake was due to stubbornness, self-will, Or pride? Confess it. Ask God to overrule your mistake. I do not think Paul made a mistake by going to Jerusalem, but God used Paul's prison years for his glory. And he can make our mistakes and even our rebellion if we submit to him and seek to please him. Remember, the process begins when you trust Christ as Savior and when you write him that blank check with your life. Being willing to do whatever he calls you to do. If you never repented of your sins and trusted in Christ, you're clearly out of the will of God. Remember, he is not willing that any should perish, but desires for all to come to repentance. And that's what I have for you today. Pastor Mike has a, a great series on, on Acts, and I encourage you to check it out if you haven't. Um, this is one of, the, uh, this is one of the, my, my, my study sessions where I actually went to my own pastor and looked, looked at his messages. Um, but he has, he has a great um, a series on Acts, so I encourage each and every one of you to check it out. With that, let's just go before the Lord and and close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your will, Lord, your perfect will. And each and every one of us do seek seek your will in our lives, Lord, and help us to be in line with you, Lord. Uh, We lift up Pastor Mike as he's... um, Probably uh, preparing or getting ready to to teach in in Lawnpole, California, Lord. We lift him up. We lift his family up to you. And we pray for their safe travel and return next week here to South Carolina, Lord. And we lift up each and every missionary, Lord, that's stepping foot into, you know, whether it be a third world country or the concrete jungle or wherever they may be going, Lord. We pray that you would keep them safe, Lord. We pray that you would put a a network of believers around them that will, will stand in the sand, kneel in the sand, and pray for them, Lord and to send them off. We thank you for your love, and we thank you for your grace, Lord. Most of all, we thank you for your word. In your name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer, we would love to pray with you. Um, come right up, and we'll we'll pray over you. God bless, and have a great weekend.